Section four of City of Endless Night by Milo Hastings. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Kate Ballas. Chapter four. I go pleasuring on the level of free women and drink synthetic beer. Part one. I had returned from my adventure on the labor levels in a mood of sombre depression alone again in my apartment i found difficulty in getting my mind back upon chemical books with a sense of relief i reported to hoknecht that i thought myself sufficiently recovered to return to work my laboratory i found to be almost as secluded as my living quarters i was master there and as a research worker i reported to no man until i had finished the problem assigned me from my readings and from Hoknecht's endless talking, I had fairly well grasped the problem on which I was supposed to be working, and I now had Hoknecht go carefully over the work he had done in my absence, and we prepared a report. This I sent to headquarters with a request for permission to start work on another problem, the idea for which I claimed to have conceived on my visit to the attacked potash mines permission to undertake the new problem was promptly granted i now set to work to reproduce in a german laboratory the experiments by which i had originally conquered the german gas that had successfully defended those mines from the world for over a century though loath to make this revelation i knew of no other discovery wherewith to gain the stakes for which i was playing events shaped themselves most rapidly along the lines of my best hopes the new research proved a blanket behind which to hide my ignorance we needed new material new apparatus and new data and i encouraged hoknecht to advise me as to where to obtain these things and so gained requisite working knowledge the experiments and demonstrations finished i made my report my immediate superior evidently quickly recognized it as a matter too important for his consideration and dutifully passed it up to his own superiors in a few days i was notified to prepare for a demonstration before a committee of the imperial chemical staff they came to my small laboratory with much eager curiosity from their manner of making themselves known to me i realized with joy that they were dealing with a stranger indeed it was improbable that it should have been otherwise for there were upwards of fifty thousand chemists of my rank in berlin the demonstration went off with a flourish and the committee were greatly impressed means were at once taken to alter the gas with which the stosfurt mines were flooded but i realized that meant nothing since i believed that my companions had abandoned the enterprise and the secret that had enabled me to invade the mines had not been shared with any one in the outer world as i anticipated my revelation was accepted by the chemical staff as evidence of profound scientific genius it followed as a logical matter that i should be promoted to the highest rank of research chemists with the title of colonel because of my youth the more was made of the honour this promotion entitled me to double my previous salary to a larger laboratory and larger and better living quarters in a distant part of the city 
my assistant would now be of the rank i had previously been and as holknecht was not eligible to such promotion i was removed entirely from all previous acquaintances and surroundings and so greatly decreased the chance of discovery of my true identity part two after i had removed my new quarters i was requested to call at the office of the chemical staff to discuss the line of research i should next take up my adviser in this matter was the venerable herr von uhl a white-haired old patriarch whose jacket was a mass of decorations the insignia on the left breast indicating the achievements in chemical science were already familiar to me but those on the right breast were strange perhaps i stared at them a little for the old man noting my interest remarked proudly yes i have contributed much glory to the race and our group one hundred and forty-seven children one hundred and four of them sons fifty-eight already of a captain's rank and twenty-nine of them colonels my children of the second and third generation number above two thousand only three men living in berlin have more total descendants and i am but seventy-eight years of age if i live to be ninety i shall break all records of the eugenic office it all comes of good breeding and good work i won my paternity right when i was but twenty-eight just about your age if you pass the physical test perhaps you can duplicate my record for this early promotion you have won qualifies you mentally astonished and alarmed beyond measure i could find no reply and sat staring dumbly while herr von uhl beginning to speak of chemical matters inquired if i had any preference as to the problem i should now take up incapable of any clear thinking i could only ask if he had any to suggest immediately the old man's face brightened a man of your genius he said should be permitted to try his brain with the greatest problems on which the life of germany depends the staff discussed this and has assigned you to original research for the finding of a better method of the extraction of proteum from the ore to work on this assignment you must of necessity share grave secrets which should they be disclosed might create profound fears but your professional honour is a sufficient guarantee of secrecy in this research you will compete with some of the most distinguished chemists in berlin if you should be successful you will be decorated by his majesty and you will receive a liberal pension commensurate with the value of your discovery i was profoundly impressed evidently i had stumbled upon something of vital importance the real nature of which i did not in the least comprehend and happily was not supposed to the interview was ended by my being entrusted with voluminous unpublished documents which i was told to take home and study two armed men were ordered to accompany me and to stand alternate guard outside my apartment while i had the documents in my possession part three in the quiet of my new abode i unsealed the package the first sheet contained the official offer of the rewards in store for success with the research the further papers explained the occasion for the gravity and secrecy and outlined the problem 
the colossal consequence of the matter with which i was dealing gripped and thrilled me protium it seemed was the german name for a rare element of the radium group which from its atomic weight and other properties i recognized as being known to the outside world only as a laboratory curiosity of no industrial significance but as used by the germans this element was the essence of life itself for by the influence of its emanations they had achieved the synthesis of protein capable of completely nourishing the human body a thing that could be accomplished in the outside world only through the aid of natural protein derived from plants and animals how i wished as i read that my uncle could have shared with me this revelation of a secret that he had spent his life in a fruitless effort to unravel we had long since discovered how the germans had synthesized the carbohydrate molecule from carbon dioxide and water and built therefrom the sugars starches and fat needed for human nutrition we knew quite as well how they had created the simpler nitrogen compounds that this last step of synthesizing complete food proteins a step absolutely essential to the support of human life wholly from synthetic foods the chemists of the outer world had never mastered but no less interesting than the mere chemistry of all this was the history of it all and the light it threw on the larger story of how germany had survived when the scientists of the world had predicted her speedy annihilation the original use of protium had i found been discovered late in the twentieth century when the protium ores of the ural mountains were still available to the german chemists after russia had been won by the world armies the germans for a time suffered chronic nitrogen starvation as they depended on the protium derived from what remained of their agriculture and from the fisheries in the baltic as the increasing bombardment from the air herded them within their vast building armored city and drove them beneath the soil in all other german territory and from the surface of the sea in the baltic they must have perished miserably but for the discovery of a new source of protium this source they had found in the uninhabited islands of the arctic where the formation of the ural mountains extends beneath the sea sending their submarines thence in search of platinum ores they had not found platinum but a limited supply of ore containing the even more valuable protium by this traffic germany had survived for a century and a half the quantity of the rare element needed was small for its effect like that of radium was out of all proportion to its bulk but this little they must have and it seems that the supply of ore was failing nor was that all to interest me how did the german submarine get to the arctic since the world state had succeeded after half a century of effort in damming the baltic by closing up several passages among the danish islands and the main pass of the sound between zealand and sweden i remember as a youngster the great jubilee that celebrated the completion of that monumental task and the joy that hailed from the announcement that the world's shipping would at last be freed from an ancient scourge but little had we of the world known the magnitude of the german fears as the baltic dam neared completion 
we had thought merely to protect our commerce from german piracy and perhaps to stop them from getting a little copper and rubber in some remote corner of the earth but we did not realize that we were about to cut them off from an essential element without which that conceited and defiant race must have speedily run up the white flag of absolute surrender or have died to the last man like rats in a neglected trap but the completion of the baltic dam evidently had not shut off the supply of arctic ore for the annual importation of ore was given right up to the date though the baltic had been closed for nearly a score of years eagerly i searched my papers for an item that would give some hint as to how the submarines got out of the dammed-up baltic but on that point the documents before me were silent they referred to the arctic ore gave elaborate details as to mineralogy and geology of the strata from which it came but as to the ways of its coming into berlin there was not the slightest suggestion that this ore must come by submarine was obvious if so the submarine must be at large in the atlantic and arctic seas and those occasional reports of periscopes sighted off the coast of norway which have never been credited were really true the submarines or at least their cargoes must reach berlin by some secret passage here indeed was a master mystery a secret which could i unravel it and escape to the outer world with the knowledge would put unconditionally within the power of the world state the very life of the three hundred millions of this unholy race that was bred and fed by science in the armoured city of berlin or that working like blind moles of the earth held the world at bay from off the sterile and pockmarked soil of all that was left of the one-time german empire that night i did not sleep till near the waking hour and when the breakfast container bumped into the receiving cupboard i was nodding over the chemical papers amid strange and wonderful dreams part four next day with three assistants themselves chemists of no mean rank i set to work to prepare apparatus for repeating all the known processes in the extraction and use of the rare and vital element this work absorbed me for many weeks during which time i went nowhere and saw no one and slept scarce one hour out of four but the steady application told upon me and by way of recreation i decided to spend an evening on the level of free women a place to which much though it fascinated me i had not yet mustered the courage to go my impression as i stepped from the elevator was much as that of a man who alights from a train in a strange city on a carnival night before me instead of the narrow quiet streets of the working and living quarters of the city there spread a broad and seemingly endless hall of revelry broken only by the massive grey pillars that held up the multi-floored city the place was thronged with men of varied ranks and professions but more numerous and conspicuous were the women the first and only women that i had seen among the germans the free women of berlin dressed in gorgeous and daring costumes women of whom but few were beautiful 
yet in whose tinted cheeks and sparkling eyes was all the lure of parasitic love the multi-hued apparel of the throng dazzled and astonished me elsewhere i had found a sterile monotony of dress and even of stature and features but here was resplendent variety and display men from all the professional and military classes mingled indiscriminately their diverse uniforms and decorations suggesting a dress ball in the capital of the world but the motley costumes of the women who dressed with the license of unrestrained individuality were even more startling and bizarre a kaleidoscopic fantastic masquerade i wondered if the rule of convention and tyranny of style had lost all hold upon these women and yet i decided as i watched more closely that there was not an absence of style but rather a warfare of styles the costumes varied from the veiled and beruffled displays that left one confounded as to what manner of creature dwelt therein to the other extreme of mere gaudily ornamented nudity i smiled as i recalled the world-old argument on the relative modesty of much or little clothing for here immodesty was competing side by side in both extremes both seemingly equally successful but it was not alone in the matter of dress that the women of the free level varied they differed even more strikingly in form and feature for as i was later more fully to comprehend these women were drawn from all the artificially specialized breeds into which german science had wrought the human species most striking and most numerous were those whom i rightly guessed to be of the labor strain proportionately not quite so large as the males of the breed yet they were huge full-formed fleshly creatures with milky white skin for the most part crudely painted with splashes of vermilion and with blued or blackened brows the garishness of their dress and ornament clearly bespoke the poorer quality of their intellect yet to my disgust they seemed fully as popular with the men as the smaller and more refined types evidently from the intellectual strains of the race happily these ungainly women of the labor strain were inclined to herd by themselves and i hastened to direct my steps to avoid as much as possible their overwhelming presence the smaller women who seemed to be more nearly human were even more variegated in their features and make-up they were not all blondes for some of them were distinctly dark of hair and skin though i was puzzled to tell how much of this was inborn and how much the work of art another thing that astonished me was the wide range of bodily form as evidently determined by nutrition clearly there was no weight control here for the figures varied from extreme slenderness to waddling fatness the most common type was that of mild obesity which men call plumpness a quality so prized since the world began that the women of all races by natural selection became relatively fatter than men for the most part i found these women unattractive and even repellent 
and yet as i walked about the level i occasionally caught fleeting glimpses of genuine beauty of face and form and more rarely expressions of a seeming high order of intelligence this revelling multitude of men and girls was uproariously engaged in the obvious business of enjoying themselves by means of every art known to appeal to the mind of man when intelligence is abandoned and moral restraint thrown to the winds i wended my way among the multitude gay with colour noisy with chatter and mingled music redolent with a hundred varieties of sensuous perfume i came upon a dancing floor whirling and twisting about the columns circling around a gorgeous scented and iridescent fountain officers and scientists chemists and physicians each clasping in his arms a laughing girl danced with abandon to languorous music as i watched the dance i overheard two girls commenting upon the appearance of the dancers whirling by in the arms of a bemedalled officer was a girl whose frizzled yellow hair fell about a dun-brown face did you see that fedora tanned as a roof-guard and with that hair well you know said the other it's becoming quite the fashion again why don't you try it three baths would tan you adorably and you do have the proper hair oh yes i have the hair all right but my skin won't stand it i tried it three years ago and i blistered outrageously the talk drifted to less informing topics and i moved on and came to other groups lounging at their ease on rugs and divans as they watched more skilful girls squirming through some intricate ballet on an exhibition platform seeing me stand apart a milk-white girl with hair dyed pink came tugging at my arm her opalescent eyes looked from out her chalky countenance but they were not hard eyes indeed they seemed the eyes of innocence as i shook my head and rebuffed her cordial advance i felt not that i was refusing the proffered love of a painted woman but rather that i was meanly declining a child's invitation to join her play in haste i edged away and wandered on past endless gaming-tables where men in feverish eagerness whirled wheels of chance while garishly dressed girls leaned on their shoulders and hung about their necks announced by shouts and shrieking laughter i came upon a noisy jumble of mechanical amusement devices where men and girls in whirling upholstered boxes were being pitched and tumbled about beyond the noise of the childish whirligigs i came into a space where the white ceiling lights were dimmed by crimson globes and picture screens were in operation it did not take long for me to grasp the essential difference between these pictured stories and those i had seen in the workman's level there love of woman was entirely absent from the screen here it was the sole substance of the pictures but unlike the love romances of the outer world there were no engagement rings no wedding bells and never once did the face or form of a child appear in seating myself to see the pictures i had carefully chosen a place where there was only room for myself between a man and one of the supporting columns at an interlude the man arose to go the girl who had been with him arose also 
but he pushed her back upon the bench saying that he had other engagements and did not wish her company the moment he was gone the girl moved over and proceeded to crowd caressingly against my shoulder she was a huge girl obviously of the labor strain she leaned over me as if i had been a lonely child and she a lonelier woman crowded against the pillar i could not escape and so tried to appear unconcerned did you like that story i asked referring to the picture that had just ended no she replied the girl was too timid she could never have won a roof-guard captain in that fashion they are very difficult men those roof-guard officers and what kind of pictures do you prefer i asked quartets she answered promptly two men and two girls when both girls want the other man and both men want the girl they have that makes a jolly part or else the ones where there are two perfect lovers and the man is elected to paternity and leaves her i had a man like that once and it makes me sad to see such a picture perhaps i said speaking in a timorous voice you wanted to go with him and be the mother of his children she turned her face toward me in the dim light he talked like that she said then i hated him i knew then that he wanted to go and leave me that he hadn't tried to avoid the paternity draft yes he wanted to sire children and he knew that he would have to leave me and so i hated him for ever loving me a strange thrill crept over me at the girl's words i tried to fathom her nature to separate the tangle of reality from the artificial ideas ingrained by deliberate miseducation did you ever see children here i mean pictures of them perhaps on the screen never said the girl drawing away from me and straightening up till my head scarce reached her shoulder and i never want to i hate the thought of them i wish i never had been one why can't we forget them i did not answer and the labor girl who for some technical flaw in her physique had been rejected for motherhood arose and walked ponderously away after this baffling revelation of the struggle of human souls caught in the maw of machine-made science i found the picture-screen a dull dead thing and i left the hall and wandered for miles it seemed past endless confusion of meaningless revelry everywhere was music and gaming and laughter men and girls lounged and danced or spun the wheels of fortune or sat at tables drinking from massive steins a highly flavored variety of rather ineffectual synthetic beer older women served and waited on the men and girls and for every man was at least one girl and sometimes as many as could crowd about him and so they sang and banged their mugs and sloshed their frothy beverage a lonely stranger amidst the jostling throngs i wandered on through the carnival of berlin's level of free women despite my longing for human companionship i found it difficult to join in this strange recrudescent paganism with any ease or grace girls alone or in groups 
fluttered about me with many a covert or open invitation to join in their merry-making but something in my halting manner and constrained speech seemed to repulse them for they would soon turn away as if condemning me as a man without appreciation of the value of human enjoyment my constraint and embarrassment were increased by a certain sense of guilt a feeling which no one in this vast throng either man or woman seemed to share the place had its own standard of ethics and they were shocking enough to a man nurtured in a human society founded on the sanctification of monogamous marriage but merely to condemn this recreational life of germany by likening it to the licentious freedom that exists in occasional unrestrained amusement places in the outer world would be to give a very incorrect interpretation of berlin's level of free women as we know such places elsewhere in the world there was always about them some tacit confession of moral delinquency some pretense of apology on the part of the participants the women who so revel in the outer world consider themselves under a ban of social disapproval while the men are either of a type who have no sense of moral restraint or men who have for the time abandoned it but for this life in berlin no guilt was felt no apology offered the men considered it as quite a normal and proper part of their life while the women looked upon it as their whole life to which they had been trained and educated and set apart by the government they accepted the role quite as did the scientist laborer soldier or professional mother the state had decreed it to be they did not question its morality hence the life here was licentious and yet unashamed much as i fancy was the life in the groves of athens or the baths of ancient rome End of section four.